Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Now, load up and side in. This is On the X. Welcome to the Excel Boats on the X podcast powered by Mud Buddy Motors. J. Paul Jackson here today with my co-host, and I've got three of them all coming to us from Utah today. We've got Dave Reynolds, Jeffrey Whitlock, and back with us again this week, Keith Mitchell. Guys, great to have y'all on here. Hey, we're happy to be here. Good to be here. This is part three, J. Paul. This is It's taken us three times to get through all of the stuff we want to get to, but hopefully three, three times the charm. That's right, and that means we're part three with all the Excel guys and with our very, very special guest, Mr. Freddie King, coming to us from Arkansas. What's up, brother? Oh, not much, guy. Just getting ready for this daggum storm that's fixing to roll through here. It's supposed to jump, jump anywhere between three and 15 inches, they say. So that's a pretty good... Yeah, uh, that is good news. <laughs> that's a pretty good sway wow. right there, ain't it? That'll help the teal season, huh? Oh, well, it should. It's going to set things right, most definitely. You know, last year we had a super dry uh, early September through all the way through September and just wasn't anywhere for the birds to uh, set. Now they're coming through, and we've already had quite a bit of rainfall in the last month or so. So this is just going to compound it and add to some habitat for the birds to step in. Now that much rain in September, what does that do for November? Is most of that gone by then? Well, most of it will be gone by then, but what it will do is it will, if we get a lot of rain up in the northern part of the state and Table Rock Lake and further in those lakes up there, then what it'll do is it will, it will raise the bar on the, you know, just their level on those lakes and they'll have to maintain a decent flow. Most years what happens is they bring it down below full elevation before duck season even gets here and and so they have no no water let loose now there will be water let loose that's good news so, and and yeah and pure fact that it all you know it's going to fill up all the 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 sloughs the backwaters the old dry uh lake beds that are normally dry they're going to have water so it's not going to take near as much to you know, make things look appealing to a duck passing overhead. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I'll tell you what, I've been looking at the radar all day long. Man, you talk about the Delta of Mississippi. Uh, they have been getting steady rains. Greenville and just north Belzona, um, that area where some of the best blue-winged teal hunting in the country is, they have been getting a steady rain and thunderstorms all day long today, and that's moving into southern and southeast Arkansas as well. So you're about to see it, Freddie. I mean, we're going to have water for till season, whether we have it still for duck season or not. Oh, it would be nice if we could get some of that our way. Nice to get a freaking inch. That's probably more than we've had all year. That's horrible. <laughs> that's horrible. I can think of plenty of off-color things I could say about that. <laughs> yeah. Once in a while, I'll you some restraint. Remember, Jay Paul, after last week, see, we're good. We, we had, we had on, on the podcast last week, we had, it was just Jay Paul and I and, and two ladies. 
So we were completely equal last week. Let's let's keep that up. Let's you know we're we're good. <laughs> two ladies. That must have been a two-hour podcast. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh. My, oh my. I really am. I'm looking forward to season kicking in. I'm ready for a weather change, and I know the rest of you guys are as well. I'm sweating right now. I'm just looking forward to some cool weather. You know, football, I watched a bunch of SEC football over the weekend. I was thinking, man, it's great the football season is here. Now I'm ready for the cool weather to go along with that. And I think we're all ready for that. Yeah, we, we could use some of that for sure out here. It, it's been really hot, really dry all summer long. Um, so, yeah, we, can, we, we really appreciate a little bit of cool weather and a little bit of moisture. You know, the other cool thing about football season being here, that also means that my schedule is going to wind down just a little bit because, you know, since we became the national boat sponsor of the Cabela's King Cat uh, Catfishing Tournament Trail, man, I've been somewhere every single Saturday. Last Saturday, I was down in Memphis, Tennessee. We had our first and hopefully first annual Excel Boats Mississippi River Monsters warm-up event, um, even out on the river. It was hot. I went out on the river um, for a little bit with our buddy Wade Bansfield from Big River Cats, Grizzly Jig Company. And, you know, if we weren't running 40 miles an hour, we were we were sweating. And of course, by the time this podcast airs, it'll be over with. But we've got uh, this weekend, on the 8th, a big one. Are you going to be there, Freddie, on Saturday? You know, I'm, I'm going to try to make that. Uh, I've got it in my schedule to drive over. I've just got some major things that are really, really, really bouncing against me right now. <laughs> One of them being uh, how much flooding are we going to get? Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, most of it will be south of there, so it shouldn't. But the Mississippi River may hit on a rise. But if it does, watch out. Because if it get, hits a good slow rise, thanks to this, we're fixing to see some big, big fish um, caught down there. Last weekend's event was actually won uh, by Randy Dodd, who is the brother of Excel Boats pro staffer Jeff Dodd. Randy and or, or Cedric, uh, Randy's partner in this, they normally one or the other fish with Jeff, but they were fishing together. Now, Randy is Jeff's brother, and Cedric, um, I would call him Jeff's son-in-law, but if you ask Jeff, he says that Cedric is his wife's son-in-law. So <laughs> I'm not sure what that means, but, you know, we'll be giving away that beautiful black and green Stormcat 230 there. It's been parked at Mud Island all week, getting a lot, a lot of attention. And then finally on the, on the 15th, we wrap it up with the, uh, big Cabela's King Cat classic event. And, uh, they will be giving yet another Stormcat away there. So two weekends in a row, two Stormcat 230s will be given away. The one on the 8th at the MRM will be by drawing. Uh, but you got to enter the MRM or one of the warm-up events and fish the MRM to be eligible. And then the winner of the Classic, they win that Stormcat from the Cabela's King Cat Trail. And then maybe I can go fishing a little bit. <laughs> Maybe just in time for the cold weather. It'll be hunting season by then. For all of you out there listening, if you haven't had a chance to uh, go online on the Facebook pages and see these boats that they're giving away, these new Stormcat boats are some of the prettiest boats out there. Uh, you mentioned the black and green one that we're giving away, or I guess at this point will have already been given away. Uh, but also, 
uh, that beautiful red and white boat that Jeff Dodd has is one of my favorite boats that I've seen. It is so pretty. Um, if you haven't had a chance to take a look at those, it's a great boat, really great boat. Yeah, and they performed. Jeff was getting 61 miles an hour out of his Stormcat 230 uh, on Saturday. And uh, that's pretty doggone impressive. Yeah, that's where our, you know, our customer, Anthony Adams, who also won a tournament two weeks ago, he's one of the first retail customers that received a Stormcat. And he's, he's getting 60 miles an hour. He's very happy. That is a fast boat. It is a fast boat. You know, in the same hole, for you guys that don't care for the Stormcat but might be looking for a center console, that is the exact same pad hull acceleration pad that we have on our Bay Pro 230. Do you know, Dave, has anybody ran one with a 250 on it yet? Uh, no, we're doing a performance test with Yamaha with a 250. And, a show? Uh, I've uh, not arranged that or got results yet with a 250. Will it be a VMAX? Um, no, I think it's just a standard uh, F250 LB, or XB, actually. I want to be there that day with DJ, man. Yeah. I want to see what the yeah. – you know, I want to get in one with that Suzuki 250 SS on it. Yeah. Well, you know, our uh, Shane Stokes, our, one of our reps, has 250. Um, SS on his? Yep, XS, yep, SS, yep. But now that's on Stormcat, right? That's on Stormcat. Actually, yep, it's at a dealer in Jefferson City, a new dealer in Jefferson City. Wow. That's a sweet boat. But anyway, so take a look at that because, I, I mean, I recommend it. If you are interested in all of those boats, check that one out. It's really awesome. But, Jay Paul, we do have much more important things to discuss today. We've got, we've got all of the professionals. We've gathered them all together. We've managed to get this going three times all of these people together, they're very busy, so we're lucky to have them. So we're going to move right into this because we're excited to have them. Um, I promise to try and keep us on, uh, you know, on target as much as possible over this. So I want to dig right into, into some of the questions that, that I've wanted to discuss for a while. And the first one, the first one that I really want to get into and talk to everybody about is, is some of the etiquette of duck hunting. I think this is something, and we've touched on this earlier before, of, of how important it is to help this sport to grow and to, to make it accessible to everybody. But there are, there are ways and things that we can all do to make it better for the new people and the professionals that have been doing it for many, many years. So I want to get into this, and I want to hear from Freddie first on this issue. I can make it real short here. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much in summary, it's just whack them and stack them. Uh, <laughs> all right. So this is what I'm talking about, Dave. This very issue is that you duck hunters, you, you old guys, I'm going to say it right here, you old guys, that's, that's the theory, is the whack them and stack them. So how do we get, how do we get beyond this? Well, well you I just mean, shoot him in the face. Jay Paul God sorted out. <laughs> shoot him in the face and wow. kick him in the lip. Uh, That's you know, it. Shoot I him mean, in the every, lip. Every, everybody loves killing ducks. Everybody loves, you know. That, I mean, that's what that's what duck hunting is. You know, you want to go out there and kill ducks and stuff. But you know, when it comes to etiquette, there's a and and there's different. There's different. I'm gonna call them species of etiquette. But you know, whether you're uh, duck uh, riding in a boat, actual duck hunting. You know, whether you're at the ramp or or 
even it goes all the way up to you know the the way you you portray yourself with others you know at the local diner that you always have breakfast after a duck hunt you know every bit of that uh, you need to we as sportsmen need to have better etiquette towards ourselves and the way we present ourselves to both hunters and non-hunters alike but when it comes to etiquette out in the field towards our our brethren duck hunters i mean there's a lot of things a a lot of things that all of us need to pay a lot more attention to you know we don't uh, and it starts right there right at the time we take off from the launch to go get our hole you know i mean don't be racing don't be causing no great big wake and swamping somebody else's boat be courteous you know and and let somebody in front of you i mean that goes a long way i can't tell you how many times i've actually let somebody in front of me get to where i was going to be hunting and it be that person and they say hey y'all come on and hunt with us we only got three or four guys we can handle another three or four more and so you know it starts right there from the time you leave the ramp to the time you get back you know, if you've got a big group of ducks working and somebody shoots out there, you know, and they've seen the ducks and they shoot a single coming in, you know, you can't browbeat somebody for killing a duck that comes in. But, you know, think about those other folks that are out there and you saw a big swing of ducks work, clearly working somebody else. Why not just sit back and, you know, and, and see if they can't finish those birds? You know, etiquette goes a long ways. And we've done that before, you know have two or three birds drop in and, and somebody a, a, a quarter mile, which, you know, 400 yards south of us or north of us or wherever, you can see a big volley of birds, uh, you know, flock, just make it a circle. And when they swing past you, if they don't come to you and they're, and they're working that other group, you know, don't shoot a single or a double, you know, a couple birds that comes in. Let, the, let those other hunters try to finish those birds. That type of etiquette is what we need to have, in the duck hunting world, a lot, you know, a, a lot more prevalent. Uh, it really, it really needs to be. In your experience, Freddie, what is, what is the number one thing that, that a newer hunter, that you can tell a newer hunter is coming in, what are they doing wrong? Like, what's the etiquette that they're missing? Oh, calling skills is probably the most obvious with a new hunter. I mean, everybody wants to call, but, you know, it can be uh, detrimental versus beneficial. Right. I wouldn't actually call, you know, calling skills uh, etiquette, uh, but, it, it, you know. It, well, it could be if somebody's running close. I mean, it could be speaking right, right, right. Yeah, you, you, but, they, you tell that person, don't call. If you're not really an expert caller, you're in a crowded area, maybe leave the calling to somebody else. Yeah, I, I mean, that's I, I rank that right in there, you know, as far as uh, – uh, Finish those birds. Hey, y'all sit back and be quiet while I call these ducks in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, 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 but the, the, as far as younger hunters, the number one thing that I see that I would say that, that really, that, that comes out most is the pure fact that a lot of them are impatient. They don't have any patience when out there. So, that's from the time they get to the launch to the time the hunt's done. They don't have, they're not patient. And where that falls into the etiquette realm of things, I would say is that they want to race to the boat hole. 
they they're they're blowing at every single duck that comes by they're they get bored and shoot you know some kind of crazy trash duck at the treetops those sorts of things and and we just don't need that we with other people out there you don't need that type of behavior you know enjoy the morning take your time getting out there work the birds you know and and if it's a lackluster morning you know sit back and and i i'm as impatient as anybody but the main thing is just try to enjoy the hunt that you're dealt with that morning. Not every day is going to be a barn burner and some days are just going to be horrible. But as far as duck hunting, killing, but none of them are horrible if you get to go. So just the pure fact that you're out there enjoying the, the great outdoors and what God's given us is, is enough to slow down and, and try to learn from every experience while you're out there. And, Calling, like David said, said is one of them. You know, sit back and watch another group work uh, uh, some birds. Listen to how they're calling to them and how they're finishing them. Uh, I've done that before, especially when we couldn't get it done, and just sit back and listen and say, "Well, you know what? They're not calling on the corners. They're just being quiet. Those sorts of things." So that alone you know you're going to educate yourself to what the birds might want that day and if you're you know if you're blowing your duck call and carrying on and 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 not having any patience whatsoever you're going to miss out on a lot of duck killing i mean that's just all there is to it yeah you know another factor freddie you don't see it as much hunting the timber as we do in the open marshes but uh you know knowing the effective range of your shotgun i mean nothing could screw a hunt up a bit more than hunting down from some somebody who's sky busting i mean shooting at virtually everything that flies over um and pretty common with new hunters so they just you know don't know the range of a shotgun you know ends up with a lot of cripples and nobody in the marsh has a good hunt if you got a sky buster or several out there in the marsh or or you know a situation I encountered uh, just this uh, past year, you know, some we were hunting public land and uh, down here below the house, down at Tiger at WMA, and it was a fairly slow morning. We were killing a few ducks, and there were some kids. We'd seen them. We went past them when we came in. They're set up. When I say kids, these were young guys, late teens, maybe even 20, you know, but young guys and, and they were there and they were having a good time but they were uh seemed like every time we got a duck working there'd be just one or two shots that would go off from these guys and flare the birds well finally when i started to pull out a little bit early headed back out i stopped and these guys were bored they weren't killing any ducks but there were a lot of crows in the bottom it was a saturday it was during crow season these guys they'd killed eight or ten crows you know and they were just bored they were having a good time shooting crows but what they didn't realize at the time was that they were ruining the duck hunt for everybody around them because every time they'd shoot if you had a bird working they were going to flare and uh you know and i talked with them about it and they were really uh embarrassed about it i mean i didn't jump on their case or anything like that i'm just like hey guys probably didn't think about it and i know you were bored as hell but you know there were a few times when we were calling working ducks and you shot a crow and that ruined it for all of us, you know, 
waiting, shoot the crows in the field. When you get done, don't do it down here just because they happen to be coming through the marsh. Some people just make mistakes because they don't know better, you know, and it's up to us to educate them. And it has a whole lot, you know, how we progress as hunters and, and how they feel about the sport and the other hunters has a lot to do with the way that you approach them in that correction as well. You know, and hopefully I educated these guys and didn't just piss them off. Well, Jay Paul's 100% correct. And it's all about, ed, you know, in the end, it's all about education. And we all have to take the time and, and, and keep etiquette at the forefront of any type of education, you know, teaching first and foremost respect for our fellow waterfowlers then you know respect for the waterfowl itself and 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 so on and so forth you know to the grounds we're hunting those sorts of things but it's all boils down to education because i'm in and i mean just like jay paul's saying right here these guys didn't know you know they thought man we're having a great time we're shooting some of these daggum long black bills right here and and to them you know that was cool but they didn't have they never thought outside of their circle and and it was running it from everybody else. And, you know, down in Arkansas, we call uh, what uh, uh, when people are just shooting random, random ducks that are out of range, those sort of things, you know, we call those swing ducks. Because 90% of the time, uh, the issue in Arkansas is when you're hunting the timber, you're working a big group of ducks or a few ducks, what have you. And, you know, one hole might be two or 300 yards from another. And those ducks do not want that other hole. With these ducks are on top of the timber. They swing over the top of another hole. Well, four or five of those guns start blaring at them. And that's what we call shooting our swing ducks and uh, or shooting swing ducks, period. And most time, if you're in the hole, they're our swing ducks. But anyway, with that, you know, and that's that's just a horrible thing to do. And the, to me, that's probably one of the top things that duck hunters should never ever ever do tree topping ducks or shooting somebody's swing ducks that's just that's and a lot of people really don't even know that just because they figure well it's in you know it's short timber it's within range and blah 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 but still it boils down to etiquette have respect for the waterfowl finishing the bird and those hunters that the birds are actually working and unless they're educated to that they don't know any different and jason like jay paul says it's all it's all about education oh yeah and i think you can pretty much sum it up if you want it to you know in one word if you want to talk about hunting etiquette it, it all boils or in one sentence it all boils down uh to that old maxim treat other people the way you want to be treated you know and, and if we would if most guys would do that you know, and that applies to all of life, not even duck hunting. But as I get older, the more and more that, you know, rings true to me. And I realize that when the good Lord said that, he meant it. You know, it's kind of when in doubt, just treat the other guy the way you want to be treated. And you know, you're going to be okay. Well, that's it. 100%. Do on to others. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's just straight up, just do on others as you would want them to do unto you. But anyway, Going back to this etiquette thing, there there's a lot more to it. Whether it's running, or, you know, there's been a big upflux of, uh, you know, hoo-ha about 
shallow drive or surface drive motors here in Arkansas because of the noise. And that's because a lot of people running them at daylight, right? That first 30 minutes trying to get to your hole, get to the launch early enough to get to the hole well before shooting light. That's a horrible thing to do to be running your motor five minutes after legal shooting hours. That's, that's a horrible thing to do. After the hunt, if it's 8, 30, 9 o'clock and you're done, have the respect for your fellow waterfowlers to sit there, don't make a sound, talk to your buddies. Y'all can carry on and no sort of thing. And don't come out of there till you know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Let everybody else enjoy their hunts before you fire up and roll out of there. And if you do got to leave, do it with some responsibility. You know, don't go blaring through the woods and up the rivers and creeks and the channels and what have you. Just take, you know, go keep a, 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 a decent speed at a low RPM to where you're not so loud. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've idled out of an area and and that BPSQ, when you're idling, you literally cannot hear that son of a gun a hundred yards through the woods. Once the sun's up and the birds and stuff are going, yeah, you could hear it, at, you know, in the dark. But w once, you know, our hunt's done, you cannot hear it because it's got just that low frequency rumble to it and it just blends in. And we'll just idle, you know, a half, three quarters of a mile out, out to the channel and float to wherever we need to be and stay out of everybody's way because 90% of the time, you know where they're at other folks are anyway. So try to keep from hampering their hunt and make sure that they have as good a quality hunt as you just had, or you would want to have. And there's a lot, a lot of different things, you know, calling it people swing ducks, those sorts of things, setting up too close to other people, not having respect to back off, you know, and, and give them a two, 300 yards. You know, if you can see somebody, if, if you can see somebody else's spread, you're set too close to them. That's all there is to it. And in my opinion, you shouldn't ever hunt within 300 yards of another group of hunters. And lots of things like that lead to better duck hunts for everybody. It really, really does. Uh, it, a lot of people want to set up close to a hole that's known to be good. That's the worst thing you can do. I mean, why sit there and watch somebody else actually shoot and possibly ruin their hunt, you know, quacking at their ducks or shooting swing ducks like a lot of people do? Get completely out of the area, go find your own spot or find another spot and try to get maybe one or two groups in, and you're going to come out of the woods with more ducks and a quality hunt. You're going to, it's going to, your hunt is going to be better. That's all there is to it. Yeah, you might have watched somebody else kill 48 ducks, but who cares about that? You want to put birds in your own boat. So, you know, give those folks some room, get out of there, go find you a spot that's off the X somewhere and, and, and make do with the one or two or three groups that you're able to work. And heck, you might find that you're able to work them better because you're out away from those pressures. I've seen that a many a time. Keith, we haven't had a chance to hear from you. Um, what are your thoughts on it? You're hunting mostly private lands. What, what are you, what are you finding? Um, I'm lucky. I get a hunt with Clint from uh, work here 
So it's private property. It's all, it's a club. So on, on a busy day, on a Saturday, there might be four or five groups out there in a 40 blind um, area. So I, we don't deal with uh, much pressure or people sitting right up on top of you. I have hunted a little bit of public land and it's really frustrating. Just listening to you guys. The stories are great. When somebody, we were the only ones on this little, uh, little area and these two guys come in, you hear this little slap, slap, slap. They've got this little boat with a trolling motor and they pull up within a hundred yards of us. And <laughs> you're just looking at them like, are you kidding me? There's all of this room on this lake and you pulled them up within a hundred yards of us. My friend, cause I, I you know, I'm just starting to duck on this will be, I think year five. So compared to you guys, I'm just a baby and I'm learning a lot here. But my buddy who's been hunting since he was a kid, you know, just kind of went over and told him, hey, uh, guys, you need to be where you can't see our spread. We can't see yours. So you can kindly move on or you're not going to shoot at anything. So they kindly packed up their stuff and they moved on, which it benefited both of us. They got to shoot. We got to shoot versus somebody just being angry and sky busting everything that went by to prove a point to them. So it's just common sense. And I know some people have it and some don't, but I guess I'm just really lucky not to have to fight with it so much, you know? So great. Dave, what are you, what are you seeing? What's, what's some of your uh, advice as far as etiquette, some of the problems that you see most frequently? Well, like I commented, I think the uh, knowing the range, effective range of your gun, not sky busting, would be probably the number one concern um, in the public marshes. And um, like you said, Freddie, not setting up downwind of somebody else um, and, you know, pretty much poaching off of the birds they're working. You know, I see that pretty commonly, you know. Um, yeah, if you're going to set up, anywhere near somebody you know I mean, there's situations where you have no choice you gotta set up you know opening day around here busy <laughs> weekend. um you're gonna have to set up fairly you know within 100 yards of somebody out here but if you do so you know be considerate uh you know try to set up upwind try to set up in a place a little more concealed um but you don't affect each other's hunt or negatively affect each other hunt each other's hunt um um, yeah, those are the two biggest things I, I see in the, in the public hunting areas, but yeah, everybody's out there to have a good time, um, have fun, have a successful hunt. I mean, we're all blood brothers, you know, um, and, um, yeah, we got to get along cause we're, uh, as duck hunters are, uh, you know, hunters in general, we're a rare breed and, and we have outside threats of anti-hunters and, um, you know, we don't need to be fighting each other, you know? Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, I think it, it in a nutshell, you know, get along and have fun and be considerate. And yeah, and I think that sounds like really what it is, is both being considerate and being aware, knowing where you are, knowing who you're near, what your equipment is like, just having a full awareness of everything you're doing. I mean, it's, and it's a dangerous sport too. You're out there with guns in the water potentially i mean there's a lot of dangers so just being aware keeping your head on your shoulders and being aware of what you're doing you know and man you hit on something really good there too because that's something that i think 
not enough kids get these days when they come into hunting the young hunters you know um there are there are so many dangerous aspects to hunting that we just you know old guys you know like me and dave who've done this for 40 years you know we we kind of take it for granted i mean i don't think twice about breaking ice or about you know getting out in my boat on the mississippi river um but you know duck hunting is an inherently dangerous sport and it's funny because you know we've talked about it on the podcast before when i was a kid you know i didn't think anything about riding in the back glass of the buick either with all the windows rolled up doing 75 down the interstate with my parents you know my dad smoking a marlboro and my mom smoking a salem up in the front seat no seat belts on whatsoever you know we're jumping in the back of a of a speeding pickup truck with eight other kids down a gravel road you know but today i'd kill one of my kids for that you know and luckily that you know my kids my daughters when they get in the car the very first thing they do is buckle their seat belt you know i did it for so many years without a seat belt heck they've still got to remind me dad buckle up and, and we've taught our kids you know to wear their seat belts that smoking will kill you that you know speed kills but a lot of the times we don't when we come into duck hunting uh properly introduce young people into you know what could be a potentially dangerous situation you know hey uh, you know do you really want to go out on that ice without knowing how deep the water is under it or you know proper you know wearing your you should always you know a kid should always be wearing a life jacket in a vessel no matter what uh, i mean at wearing your kill switch those kinds of things i think as we bring youth into the sport we need to take the same approach, you know, to hunting safety as we have, you know, safety in the car with seat belts or, or secondhand smoke or some of the other, you know, things that we have ingrained in our kids that we sure as heck didn't do when we were kids. Well, what Jay Paul, you know, is, is stating there is that's become so, you know, we've heard it so much those safety things, you know, about secondhand smoke or smoking and seatbelt use and, and those sorts of things that they're ingrained in us. And, and of course, you know, those are laws and stuff that are passed and, and we're first taught those from, you know, our, our traffic, uh, the, those that set the rules and those sorts of things. But those are, put to us so much from every different angle that, you know, they're ingrained in us now and, and it's ingrained in our kids. So they, the, the not, you know, most kids don't smoke today. Back when we were growing up, you know, it was a cool thing to do. Now it's not a cool thing to do. So with that, we, and, and it's been thrown at us so much that us as adults now have, adhered to that type of thinking and we've educated our own kids to those things buckle up and you know and get out of the back glass <laughs> like uh, jay paul was saying those sorts of things and we're not doing that in the world of hunting we're not we're not self you know we, we may do it with our own kids a little bit but we don't do it you know there's a lot of kids that hunt without adults and they know those that are driving, let's say, 
they're buckling up. They're not smoking because of what they've heard so much. Now that we have these kids that are hunting and they don't have those guidelines. And that's where we have to step it up. You know, game and fish commissions and, you know, and a lot of the management, the people that oversee us hunters, they do, you know, tout the word, but it's not loud enough. It's not, it's not on commercials. You don't see it, you know, in your everyday life. So we need to, as responsible hunters, put that more out there, put it in, in everybody's ear a lot more, put it in front of them, let them see you doing it, those sort of things. So, and we have to regulate ourselves and educate ourselves and those underneath us, above us, or so, you know, that's the only way. Yeah, you know, I mean, one thing too, with the younger hunters, uh, I think in general, you know, except for, you know, a lot of hunters from rural areas, you know, they just aren't as savvy as the outdoors, uh, on the outdoors and um, dealing with the outdoor, certain situations, weather, conditions, you know. Jay Paul, I know, you know, we were kids, there's no computer games. You know, I got home from school, I'd grab my gun and my dog and I'd hunt every day and I'd, I'd be outside every day till dark and then I came home, you know. Um, I was outside all the time and uh, that just doesn't happen anymore. And um, consequently, you know, a lot of these younger hunters just are not that savvy. They got to learn and be taught um, to respect uh, the weather, the elements, uh, dangerous situations, conditions. So Dave, what is the, what is the most important thing that you are teaching your son? I know you've got a, you've got a young son that you're teaching to hunt. What is, what are you pushing for him safety wise and to learn and to be a part of this, uh, this sport? Well, I think, you know, gun handling is, is number one concern. Obviously, you know, safety is number one. And, um, yeah, I started both my kids when they were 10 and, um, basically got them out shooting as much as possible. Uh, not only to improve their shooting skills, but just their gun handling, being more familiar with their gun, um, being safer with their gun, um, you know, handling their gun, shouldering their gun, um, you know, that, that's just or more important than how well they could shoot. So, you know, that, that's a number one concern is comfort with your gun and your equipment. Um, you know, that, that's probably Can I ask number you one. question, Dave? Yeah. Did, um, tell me, did, did you ever buy Jack a BB gun? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's he had red riders. Yep. So, so, you know, guns weren't new to him. I mean, he went hunting with me long before he was 10 and, you know, he'd have a little red rider and, and plink at my decoys and, you know, shoot the cattails and fill my boat up with cattail, you know, pollen and shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know? Hey man, you know, that, that, that is the coolest though. I mean, and I think, of course, the people at Daisy should probably love us if they listen to this, but I think that everyone should start their kid out with a BB gun and start them out with it early and go out there with them. You know, my daughters, all three of them had BB guns. They loved coming to the duck blind with their BB guns. All the decoys close to the blind had little bitty dents in them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd hear a yeah. <laughs> you know where they would be shooting decoys and stuff but you know luckily those bb guns weren't powerful enough to put yeah, i agree i think and you know at that age five six year old i mean that's that's uh that's just as cool as having a shotgun is taking a bb gun out and uh, duck hunting you know and can i try to shoot at that sitting duck you know 200 yards away yeah <laughs> yeah Go for it, Jack. i mean <laughs> shoot him in the head yeah and what <laughs> 
what Dave has done with, you know, of course, with his kids, my kids, your kids, Jay Paul, you know, they're lucky enough to have a solid mentorship. They're, they're, they understand first and foremost safety with, you know, no matter what kind of weapon or gun that's in front of them, they understand that we teach them that. And it, but there's so many kids today that, and, and it's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. There's it's the, but there's so many kids this, these days coming into our sport of hunting that are 16, 18, 20. I, I, you would not believe the messages that I've probably, I bet you I've talked to 20 people this year that just started actually duck hunting that are 35 years old and older, probably 20, 25 people this year alone said, man, I, I'm new to the sport and this and that, you know, I get a lot of questions, but there's a ton of kids as well. And most of them are getting into the sport because of a friend and Hey, my buddy wants me to go duck hunting. And when you get two younger persons out there, you have a young person mentoring another young person, you know, and and that falls back to that patience thing. A lot of times things get a little bit lackluster and, and you're, you know, especially when you're a kid, you're looking for fun stuff to do. Well, shooting blackbirds and sparrows and those sorts of <laughs> crows sometimes, those sorts of things start happening. But being the best thing we can do with kids like that is, is just say, Hey, why don't y'all come hunt with us? If you see a group of four or five kids, man just take them in the in the hole with you and, and and show them how you're supposed to finish birds show them exactly you know how to work ducks show them how to set up you know and and don't come over as a know-it-all you know i i have uh i do that I, I get to talking so much a lot of times that i i, I probably come over as a know-it-all and i don't mean to be i just try to educate as much as i can with the limited amount of time that i have with whoever's there with me if I feel that they're new to the sport. But we've got to do that. I mean, that's all, that's all there is to it. We have to step it up and and take under wing anybody that we see out there that might be having issues, you know. And I'm going to make it a point this year. I'm going to do it at least three times. I've done promise myself. If I see a group of hunters, because it seems like every – 18 year old kid now has got a brand new truck and a brand new boat <laughs> and <laughs> i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna make sure that they get to come in the hole hunt with us and and we make room and we show them you know the best way to finish ducks and what actual finished ducks how to work the birds and and just you know try to keep everything calm and collective and educate more than actually hunting I think that'll go a long ways. It's a trickle down effect and it's going to take everybody though. Oh, no doubt. I agree with you. I mean, I, and I applaud you for that because, you know, uh, there's so much to be said for bringing people into this sport the right way and for continuing it along the way. And I, I think you're preparing them, you know, definitely for the future when you do that. And, uh, and speaking of, uh, you know, of that, I mean, I think we could just kind of make it the Freddie King challenge where all of us, you know, commit that we're going to take somebody out there with us that we've never taken before that's fairly new to the sport and, you know, make it the Freddie King challenge 
for this season to do that. We'll come back to that. But I, speaking great, of, I love it. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, well, it was yours, actually. Jeffrey, that's a good thing. No, I mean, I'm not going to steal it. I mean, not it. to brag or anything. But. Yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey sent me a message and said, what about the Freddie King challenge? So, <laughs> being, the, you know, being the team player that I am, I'm, uh, you know, who knows? Heck, it may be like, it may go viral, you know, everybody doing the Freddie King challenge. Hey, I'm out here with little Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and, and let, me, let me tell you, I have been – I've gotten to the hole before and we have a light group and some kids pull up or even, you know, some young adults and uh, those would be your 22 year olders and older in my book. But anyway, <laughs> the, the, they show up and, and, and we've had some awesome hunts that n now the, 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 those kids now are, are, you know, have kids of their own and, by gosh, they're some solid duck hunters, you know, and these hunts happened, you know, 10, 12 years ago and it sparked a pretty, you know, a lifelong friendship. I, I don't, may not see them a lot during the, the spring and, and summer and fall months, but you can bet you I'll see those boys again during duck season somewhere. And, you know, mm -hmm. we always had that connection, man. We shared a great hunt and those are how strong friendships and, just the act of us doing that, I can already tell that we're both better people because of it, you know, as far as making room for somebody else. And, and there's a lot of other ways, you know, just, you know, slowing down for somebody's decoys and, you know, and, and skirting around, or if you see somebody working a group of ducks and you're in the boat, shut that boat down and hit the edge of the river or the Creek or wherever, as fast as you can so that you don't bother their hunt. Those sorts of things go a long, long ways. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, we're about running out of time here. We're, we've been going for a while on this. And, you know, we talked about preparing guys for hunting. Um, let's change gears just a little bit. I want to wrap it up. But before I, want, I do, I want to hear from each of you guys. What have you done so far? We're into September now, starting with you, uh, Dave. What have you done to get prepared for this season? Well, I've been skeet shooting a few times this summer. Probably going to go tomorrow night again. So shooting, get my dog in shape, um, you know, fiddling around the decoys and the boat. Uh, I need to work on my trailer wiring because uh, trailers are a son of a bitch. I hate them, man. <laughs> Tell us my, how you really feel. My freaking trailer keeps on blowing my fuse, my tail light fuse. So I don't know, I can have to rewire the whole damn thing probably, but, uh, you know, just taking care of little things. I mean, it's, it's hot here. You know, we really can't get out to the marshes until weeks before the season. So can't really do a lot of quality scouting right now. So, uh, just get myself a dog, my boy ready and, uh, shooting. And actually I put my duck call in my truck today. So, you know, calling on the way to work and the way home from work with my uh, echo breaker um there you, you know, go that's what i'm calling cd or tape uh yeah there's some good ones i know echo has one one of my favorites is uh zinc's um ducks gone wild it's not necessarily an instructional tape but it's just ducks making sounds and uh trying to duplicate their cadence and uh you know their chuckles i mean that, that goes a long way because you know I, I really don't need calling tips per se but 
listening to live ducks um, will really help your calling skills. So starting to blow the duck call. Yeah, I get a few weird looks, and, but uh, you know, <laughs> I don't have any options. I can't do it at home, so I gotta do it in my truck. <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that dude. I, I, I need to like find that and take pictures of that and get those on the website man I, I, yeah, I, I yeah, here's here's a good story but i'll make it short though but uh one of our browning reps when i worked for browning he was going down the freeway and he was blowing on his goose call you know one of those bigger flute calls and uh he, you know he's practicing and and uh shit this, this cop pulls him over and uh, he asked, oh, you know, what's wrong, officer? He said, this lady reported that you were smoking uh, uh, from a bong, you know. <laughs> you're doing drugs. <laughs> they thought he, some lady thought he had a fatty fired up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then you know, he, was, uh, he was smoking his bong, listening to Duck Song. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you like to get high. I think I once saw a girl's going wild DVD in the front seat of Freddie's truck. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. You know, for me, I guess uh, it, things it, we're getting ready. You know, of course, we've had our opening morning dove season, and we always have a great big cookout. All the Echo guys are, you know, show up, and we do a big, big cook. We literally we killed, I think, about 250, 60 birds. Uh, opening morning dove season and we cooked every single one of them and pretty much ate them all you know we do a big deal and that's kind of our kickoff and as far as myself personally getting ready I'm trying to finalize on a piece of property that for lease and get that done and you know of course I've dusted off the duck calls kind of kicked the decoys around got a little bit of look at those and not to mention you know, I'm uh, getting with Dave here real quick and need to get that Pro Hull 1751 with that new mud motor, mud buddy on it. And a lot of things come around. So, and I, I've been kind of holding back a little bit, but what we're going to do this year, pretty doggone special, is Mud Buddy and XL are going to get six to 10 episodes that you're only going to see on the mud buddy and XL social media so echo boys doing their thing so we're going to do six to ten real solid hunts quick clips and stuff that uh you're not going to see anywhere else you won't see them on our dvds you won't see them on uh unless i share them from the XL pages on any of our other pages until they go through XL or mud buddy so we got a lot of stuff planned and i'm looking forward to it that sounds pretty doggone awesome, man. What about you, Keith? Are you just waiting on Clint to get all his shit together for you? You're not worried about me. No, no. no. I, I am. I am Clint's little best friend. We've already we've been uh, kicked out of the Hilton and into a uh, a different little clubhouse. So uh, we had to do some remodeling to make the uh, mud buddy and the uh, boat. I'm not going to mention the name to fit into this little bitty hole because it's too wide. So uh, I've done a lot of uh, preparing Clint's boat <laughs> boathouse to get the boat and the mud buddy in there, and then uh, just tinker around um, to get ready because uh, he's promised that uh, 
we're going to be doing a whole lot more hunting this year than last year. And I kind of keep reminding him, dude, man, I'm always on the phone. He's like, it's all right. It's okay. We'll be there by 10 o'clock in the morning and you can stay later. (laughs) I hope you don't have to get your feet muddy hunting that club, do you? Oh, Oh, you know, Dave, every once in a while he, he, he pulls out the, uh, those marsh seats and the gun stands and that. And, but most of the time, thankfully we're able to sit in the boat in worst case scenario, that little mini 23, I might got to get out and, uh, spin it around so we can head in the right direction because we don't have the reverse. But uh, you know what? I I listen to you guys and and all this call stuff. I've only had to call ducks in a couple of times and that happened last year because uh, we were, we were hunting out of the boat and we couldn't really conceal it enough. So Clint's like, I'm going to go move the boat. Well, they had dug around the dike so deep. I watched him take his first step and the water was like a half inch below his waiter line. And he stepped back real quick and just waved drawing your own. I'm like, I don't even know if I got a call in my box. I'm going through my box and I found my trusty echo call that Rick Dunn had given me. And I'm like, well, I've never blown it before. I shot five ducks. So I must've been doing something right. I don't. Well, most of the time, all you got to do is just get that call out. Anytime you got an echo and just kind of show it to them and they just gum. That's true. Show it to him. Yeah. That, that must have been what it was right now. There is no just rub on here. it a little bit and everything's gonna be all right, but just hold, just hold your hand. I'm not gonna, gonna touch that comment either. I'm not gonna touch that one either. I'm oh, not man. either. I just and like I'm sitting here through this entire podcast. I've been looking at this. Is that a new microphone between you and, and Dave Jeffrey? It, well it's it is. I've had it for the last couple of weeks that we've been it's nice. This thing's amazing. Wow. Listen, this is that, and that falls right into what I've done to prepare for duck season. Because as we know, I'm an amazing duck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not very lucky. Like, he, he, right so. he has some No, I, uh, I've actually been preparing all the camera equipment. Like the other day, I took it all out, just like you would clean your guns. Took everything apart, cleaned it all down, make sure we've got everything we need. Been out buying new stuff, all new equipment, so we can, you know, so I can shoot the birds the way I shoot the birds. So there we go. So I'm prepared. Oh, wow. Well, I'm prepared. Pain, Jeffrey, I feel your pain. <laughs> so he's going to try to uh, get out with Dave and record where Dave's honey <laughs> hole is for us. So Good luck with that. Don't out. tell him. Now he'll never take us out, man. <laughs> yeah. he- did he do camera work blindfolded? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. My question yeah, is, you're taking the camera, are you going to take the new microphone Steely Dan there with you? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, he has a cool little one to plug into his little iPhone 8 that actually uh, – Works pretty good. Little no, I've got some bike. really sweet equipment. He's, he's ordering me one. He, I'm actually, he said, told me yesterday he was sending me one, but after seeing that, that looks like something out of a Walter Burroughs now to naked lunch, you know. The, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, man, it's been great. This is always so much fun. I can't believe we've already done three of these. And uh, I can't wait to do some more. Freddie, great having you, buddy. Hey, it's been a blast, as always. Keith, great having you. And, of course, Dave and Jeffrey, you guys are always a heck of a lot of fun, man. And 
I hope you guys have enjoyed recording this as much as I have. I, I have, absolutely. I have. Oh, been most definitely. Oh, yes. This, this gets me out of answering the phones, Jay Paul. So this is amazing. I'm fixing to call you about a customer, but they're not complaining. But I am fixing to give you a call. Oh, I, it's not one of your it good is. friends, is it? You know how many guys I get that say, hey, I'm a good friend of Freddie's or I'm a good friend of Jay Paul's and you got to hook me up. And then I've talked to you, Jay Paul, and a couple of times those guys, Jay Paul's like, if that guy offered me a beer, I would just <laughs> walk away from him. I'm like, well, I wouldn't consider him a friend then. I met the, but he acts like listen, he's your I best the, buddy. <laughs> hey, I met a guy once that worked for a Marine dealership at a boat ramp. And I swear, uh, he asked about being an Excel dealer, and I told him that was Dave's gig. But, you know, I wasn't going to be rude to anybody. And the next week, I hear that I've told him that, by golly, that we're awarding them the next dealership in their area. <laughs> They're ready to order the boat. <laughs> remember that day? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if they say they're my good friend, please call me to, or Freddie to confirm. But this guy really is a really is a good friend, and, it's a, and he already has one of our motors, so it's not a bad thing, Keith. I, I promise you that. Right, right off the bat, man, guys, it's been a lot of fun. Um, when you're watching or listening to the podcast, be sure go back by the time this airs we'll have given away that Storm Cat at the Mississippi River Monsters Tournament. You'll be able to check out giveaway we'll do a facebook live on it that'll still be up on our uh, facebook page go on our social media check it out and also be watching for uh the echo boys and freddie i think it's gonna be some exciting stuff oh it's gonna be good gonna be good yep. i guarantee you Fre freddie when is that gonna launch do you have a date for us no well we gotta go kill him first <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of etiquette, it's really rude to shoot them out of season. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go shoot them first. <laughs> Man, guys, it's been a lot of fun. And on behalf of Freddie, Keith, Jeffrey, and Dave, I want to thank everybody out there for taking the time to listen to this edition of the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors.